Hello, this is Beatrice Chestnut. As a special introduction to this next podcast, Uranio and I wanted to say a word about the context that we are in at the recording of this podcast. Uh, it's early June 2020, and protests have erupted, first of all, in the United States, but now all over the world uh, after the horrific killing of George Floyd. Uh, the the protests against systemic racism are very, very important, and we fully support them. And because we support Black Lives Matter and we support everything that's happening to awaken the world to the horrors of the racism that's been really entrenched in our society for hundreds of years, uh, we decided to do this podcast focusing on empathy and the Enneagram types. This is because we believe that the beginning of understanding how to combat uh, these kinds of systematic prejudices in our world is by learning about how we each need to empathize with the experience of other people at a deeper level. Yes, thank you, B. I just agree with you. And all I can add is that as a Brazilian who lives in London, I want to tell all of our, our American um, listeners that this is really, really worldwide. And in many places, including my country, Brazil, racism is not as easy to spot as we could imagine. And it's quite important to do a very, very serious work on looking on our biases, implicit biases and prejudices um, that we all have. And we need to look inside and do inner work to get in touch with the victim and the perpetrator in us in different ways. So we just want to tell everyone who's listening to this that we will continue to do everything we can to raise consciousness about really, really important issues such as racism and the value for human life, all human life. And uh, we think the Enneagram can be a vehicle for raising consciousness, and we will be continuing to make a central part of our mission, finding different ways to raise awareness around important issues like this uh, and using the Enneagram as a way to help each individual person examine themselves at a deeper level and, and so that we can really heal the world and, and create actual, real, solid, positive change. Welcome to the Enneagram 2.0 podcast. I'm Beatrice Chestnut. And I'm Wudanyo Pais. And today we are talking about how to enhance empathy through Enneagram work in turbulent times. Quite important. The world has lost a lot of capacity for empathy, don't you think, B? Yeah, I think it's very challenging to really understand how other people feel. And uh, with all kinds of political divisions and healthcare crises and, and all kinds of stresses of different kinds, I think we get a little bit more locked into our personality patterns when these things happen. And it can be harder to step outside ourselves to really understand the, the experience of another person at a deep level. Yes, at the same time that all over the world uh, we are being challenged to be to have more solidarity and to look more to other people and understand how we really depend on uh, one another. Yet, um, you know, schools don't always teach empathy. Families don't always teach it either for uh, you know kids, and it's not easy for people to develop it naturally. I wonder if it would be good to say a little bit about what empathy is at the beginning here. Yes, please. Go ahead. Why don't you do that? Because I think sometimes we don't really understand what it means. I know when I was a psychotherapist, 
it had a lot to do with the work that I did with people, uh, that the idea that it created a lot of healing just if someone really entered into your world and understood how you felt and received you with a lot of communication about how they really understood how you felt inside yourself, that they could put yourself themselves in your shoes. I think when I worked with couples, I saw this a lot, that the big problem was it was hard to have empathy for each other. They were so locked into their own perspectives. And you know, when each person gets defended, it's very hard to create openings for understanding each other, especially at a deep emotional level. So when we're talking about empathy, I think what we're saying is it means the ability to really understand another person's experience from the inside of their experience and almost taking inside their emotion, whatever it might be, inside yourself and allowing yourself to resonate uh, deeply with that person in that same emotional space, even though you're two separate people. Yes. I like how you describe it, B, because, you know, sometimes empathy is described in, you know, simple terms like listening better and putting yourself on the person's shoes. And although that's right, it's more than that. It's really opening your heart to vibrate with the person's heart and feel the experience that the person has in what we sometimes call resonance, resonance of the heart. And we see that happening quite a bit, fortunately, during Enneagram work, um, like when we do panels. Is it your experience also, B? Yes, definitely. I think the whole experience of an Enneagram panel, hearing people talk about their experience and maybe four or five people, all of the same type, talking about how they actually share the same experience and even telling the same story, even though the people themselves may look very different from one another. I think this is a kind of way that people get more empathy for what it's like to be inside a particular personality type. Yeah. This is why I'm so grateful for Helen Palmer and David Daniels, who in my view were central to helping uh, refine this uh, panel method. Uh, on the Enneagram. Um, I know you are grateful for them too. And, and the, the idea of uh, doing Enneagram work with methods like this is that people can truly uh, feel into how it is to be uh, someone of that other type and, and feel into it, not only understand. And when we listen uh, to those people opening their hearts and telling their stories, you know, some magic happens because then uh, uh, what what we see is compassion coming up in practice. Um, and a lot of healing because many times people have relatives or friends or a husband, a wife or a son or a mother or father of that type. And then that relationship is being healed. Now, what concerns me be is that many times people who study the Enneagram um, only from books don't have this opportunity. Or if you go to social media and see the discussions that exist around the Enneagram types, uh, I don't necessarily get this uh, feeling of uh, compassion and even tolerance at times. When do you see that lacking? When people are getting just uh, curious about learning more and more and more about the nine types, when they get too much stuck in the descriptions of the nine personalities, or when there isn't a, a true opportunity for uh, listening. Or, or for experiencing the other, for whoever the other is. Um, and unfortunately, at times, uh, that can happen even in Enneagram studies. But this is not what the Enneagram is about, is it? Right. I do think that the Enneagram, when it's used really well, um, is a powerful tool for helping people understand and empathize with others. 
And oftentimes that's one of the first things, one of the first light bulbs that goes off for people is they thought that everyone experienced the world the same way they do from their own internal subjective view. How could they know any differently? Um, And they realize, wow, there are actually nine completely different perspectives, completely different experiences of reality almost. I do think that, um, that, in a lot of the Enneagram teaching out there, one of the places that I, I myself personally feel a lack of empathy is when I see my own type being described in a way that isn't true to my inner lived felt experience. Um, and I know that you know I can get frustrated with this and even a little bit up on a soapbox uh, giving a lecture about what twos are really like. Um, and so I would say... Part of the issue here is sometimes even in the way we describe the types, uh, maybe someone who isn't that type and doesn't know it from the inside can sometimes not really uh, explain it in a way where everyone really has empathy for that type. So I think we need to start with having really, really good, thoughtful, deep Enneagram descriptions. I think that's where empathy begins. Yeah, that's a good point. I also feel a little bit like that with fives, and I think it happens with all nine types. Now, I remember be uh, a phrase that uh, impacted me a lot in a book by Richard War, and he said something like this: um, "The Enneagram is designed to build compassion. If you haven't become uh, more compassionate." the Enneagram has not transformed you, or something like that. That that was the phrase. And I think that we can be curious and interested about the Enneagram, but we can't say we have started doing Enneagram work unless we, we are feeling more uh, accepting of people of all types. I think that's true. And the Enneagram is, after all, a symbol of unity and multiplicity. The idea that we all share a common human experience, uh, and yet we're all different. We are coming from these uh, different perspectives, uh, but there is both a unity of the fact that there are nine patterns among all the many people of the world, uh, but there's also a unity of human experience, even though we all have different subjective Uh, everyday lives yeah and you know today's uh, world is full of polarization where uh, when people are trying to convince the others of their opinions and they have answers that are ready for everything they are not really willing to listen and to be convinced Uh, and when i say they i'm saying all of us right we all run this risk big time, especially in today's world where the energy is very dense and goes towards um, division and not unity. Yes, I think in today's world, we're really seeing the extreme negative effects of the lack of empathy, understanding, tolerance that's at the heart of racism, sexism, the extreme political divisions that we've seen. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I always, I always could understand and appreciate the opposing political views in, in my world. Uh, you know, even if I didn't agree with someone, I could see their point of view. I could understand. And I think lately I sometimes feel like I don't even understand what planet this person is from. Uh, and for me, I know it can be particularly hard Uh, politically, when there is someone you disagree with, and that disagreement is having a practical effect in reality that you that you that you believe that I believe uh, might be damaging. And so it's there's been so much stress, I think, in our world, uh, in terms of health crisis, um, and these deep, deep misunderstandings and divisions between people, that we need an any a tool like the Enneagram more than we ever have before. Uh, And so I think it's really important to talk about how the Enneagram can help us create empathy just at the individual level where each of us 
sees our own point of view and notices our own blocks to truly deeply understanding another person so that we can start to build this muscle of noticing our own uh, personality or ego as a pain avoidance mechanism. If, if I don't want to feel my pain, certainly I'm going to have trouble understanding your pain. I saw this a lot with couples. Like one, one member of a couple would say, I just want the other person to understand me and empathize with me. And the other person was resisting that for one reason or another. And often it had to do with their personality type, that they were a type that had trouble uh, for, their, for, for reasons of in their background or history or their personality structure where they just had a really hard time accessing their own emotional experience and being okay, let's say, with feeling sadness or feeling pain. And if you're blocking your own, it's going to be very hard for you to understand that of others. And I think it's really important for us to understand that it's just part of being human. It's like an instinct. And we talk about instincts to avoid feeling vulnerable emotions. Uh, and so the Enneagram can help give us a window into our specific Enneagram territory, emotional territory, so that we can understand what our blocks are there. And so I think this is how on an individual level, if we're doing this kind of inner work of noticing what our blocks are to our own emotion and therefore understanding the experience of other people, especially when uh, these these experiences we need to, we're called upon to understand are difficult, uh, involve very painful life experience, involve uh, you know, historical collective patterns of discrimination uh, and persecution and oppression. Um, it, it calls on us even more to really do our own inner work to understand what's going on uh, in terms of our own ability to, to, to create that really deep understanding yeah thank you for this b and yeah i definitely think that is you know the enneagram should not be approached only from uh cognitive curiosity which is important good but not sufficient um there needs to be uh, an availability for feeling into other people and therefore to do some kind of work uh, seeing or at least listening to other people. Um, so this is when the Enneagram touches people's hearts. Uh, well, it, it's not that difficult for the Enneagram to touch people's hearts uh, for different reasons. It has a natural depth. You know, his origin is sacred and it shows motivations more than behaviors. So it, it more easily helps open hearts, but there is always this risk of being less deep and that we can still be judgmental if we don't uh, open up to experiencing the other types emotionally. And when we look also emotionally to ourselves, both in our limiting patterns, including the limiting emotional pattern that on the Enneagram we call the passion, and to limiting patterns of other people. But when we understand where these come from, and uh, we, we see that, you know, not many things are personal or coming out of a bad intention that is conscious, then many times we heal wounds and we develop acceptance and therefore we get closer to being tolerant and let me repeat this it's all about being tolerant to both other people and ourselves and not judging ourselves maybe we are uh, sometimes the ones we judge the most right and judgment is necessarily egocentric. It's always coming from not being empathetic. Right. I do want to say, I think you're really, it's really true that we often judge ourselves first. And then what happens is so much of what we do when we interact with others is based on projection. 
So if we're judging ourselves, it's a really easy leap to imagine everyone else is judging us also. So that's one thing that I think is very important that yes, the Enneagram has the power to really help us have more compassion for ourselves, more compassion for other people. It has the power to open our hearts, um, especially I think when we hear other people telling their stories in a vulnerable way, like we do on panels, Enneagram panels, when people talk about how they see their experience in terms of their Enneagram types and their defenses. Uh, but just because it has the power to help us be more empathetic and understanding doesn't mean it does that automatically. Of course, we have to let it. We have to do the work to apply the Enneagram to understanding ourselves and understanding our blocks to feeling our own pain, our feel to, you know, about our background from our history. Uh, we need to notice what, what pain we avoid feeling, what blind spots we have precisely because those blind spots are designed to prevent us from knowing hard truths and experiencing difficult emotions that if we knew what was in those blind spots, we would have to deal with some difficult emotional experience. So the Enneagram is all about shining a light on the blind spots, on the exact ways, type-specific ways that we habitually block ourselves from our own pain uh, and from having compassion and acceptance of ourselves for our own pain. And then, of course, from understanding others in a clear way with no judgment and really understanding the pain of somebody else that might have a completely different experience than we do, whether because they have a different personality or because they have a different color of skin. And so I think part of it is really getting very much more, a deeper level of understanding about ourselves, where we're coming from, uh, and what the work is to be done so that we can feel more of our own emotions and eventually uh, be more honoring and uh, and deeply uh, hearing and understanding other people's. Yes, yes, great. Um, I just want to mention that uh, there are several other ways of doing that when doing Enneagram work. Like we do a circle of people in our retreat A with people sharing their stories in a particular way and connecting that to, to types. And then uh, I remember doing, you know, corporate work with the Enneagram uh, in the teams that had quite a, a big level of conflict. And after some preliminary work at a workshop, we, we would uh, also... Uh, after an Enneagram day or two, we would um, have people look inside and talk about their own uh, problems and therefore inspire others to talk about themselves. So I see that the Enneagram is really powerful as a means to help people change this mindset from seeing the, the problem out there and criticizing to self-observing my own challenges. Um, and I think this can be in multiple ways. But on the other hand, the Enneagram also goes way deeper and it touches shadows. And shadows are an advanced but still very important uh, thing for us to work on. And all of us have both shadows of vi being victims and perpetrators uh, of different things uh, like prejudices, racial issues. It also comes from our family systems many times. But the Enneagram helps us navigate all those explorations and uh, points out to particular kinds of work that we can do with shadows depending on the level of awareness we are operating from. And I love this about the Enneagram. We're going to talk about the nine types in terms of the nine shadows or blocks, internal blocks that each of the types can typically have that stop them from having empathy in ways they can often be unconscious to. 
the different specific patterns of defense that each type can have that keep them from really understanding someone else's inner experience and having a high level of tolerance for, uh, for difference, really. Um, but before, I just want to summarize what we've said as a prelude to discussing the nine types, and that is that the Enneagram is a very powerful tool for doing this work of, of building more compassion and empathy, first of all, for yourself, uh, and then secondly, for other people generally, and then also for specific other people. So both for the experience of others in society, other groups uh, that you may not share a lived experience with, but also for the person that you interact with every day, for good friends, people that are close to you in your life, family, um, from really understanding them from a different perspective. And then, as you said, I think the level of loving the enemy is really when you're most bothered by someone, when someone really makes you angry or really hurts you, to still keep your heart open to understanding their experience and not needing to defend against uh, really just opening your mind and heart to, to really making space inside yourself for uh, someone who has a very different experience that you may just not be very familiar with, that if you can develop these capacities, it can really help you. And the Enneagram has the power to do that precisely because they help us see the nine different ways we each protect ourselves uh, from our own feelings often, because it can be hard to feel your own inner experience when it's painful. Uh, and then also by extension, that of other people. Uh, and I think I want to say especially that although the Enneagram has the power to do this, we always have to be engaging in active inner work to apply the Enneagram, to almost let the Enneagram teach us uh, how to understand ourselves and others better. And then even when we're doing that work, and even when we've been doing that work for a long time, and even when we have a very sincere intention about doing this kind of work, under times of stress, under times of crisis, as we're going through right now in our world in so many different ways, it becomes hard all over again. Because even when we're doing good inner work and maybe we meditate and have a spiritual practice or maybe we've done therapy and or we have a coach, we have people in our lives that are helping guide us, when we get under stress as human animals, we just contract. We, we just get defensive again. Those survival strategies that are at the core of our Enneagram personality type patterns, they kind of like go into reactive mode. And so one of the reasons why we need to continually be doing this work is because the next step in the process, after you know your type well, and after you've come to see the ways you avoid feeling your own pain and really making efforts to open up to your own heart first, uh, so that you can then also feel the hearts of others. Uh, it's going to be very important to recognize that you're going to need to observe yourself in an ongoing way because when things are stressful, and let's face it, right now things are extremely stressful in our world in many different ways on both a personal, individual, and collective global level. Uh, and so we need to have even more compassion for ourselves and even more efforts to make, to have empathy for other people. Uh, and so I think this is why we thought this would be an important topic to talk about. And this is the background understanding with which we'll bring to understanding what we're going to talk about in terms of the nine types. Let's do a short break. The Enneagram 2.0 podcast goes live every other Thursday on all main platforms. Stay tuned to learn more about yourself and others. B and Yiranyu offer much, much more high-quality Enneagram content on www.cpenneagram.com. If you are an Enneagram enthusiast, visit the website now, www.cpenneagram.com. 
B and Udanio teach in-person inner work retreats and professional workshops all over the world. They happen twice a year in California, London, Shanghai, Sao Paulo, and Cairo, and sometimes in other countries and U.S. locations too. Hundreds of students from all places and levels of knowledge have joined these courses. You can see the full Chestnut Pies Enneagram Academy calendar of events at www.cpenneagram.com. So type 8. A few ways how type 8, uh, if you're an 8, um, loses touch with uh, empathy are by having this intention to see who's being unfair and who's the one being wronged because that puts the 8 in the position of being sort of playing the police and not really understanding where people are coming from. And many times AIDS make lots of assumptions about what is happening without asking, or at least without confirming or without giving uh, time to the other person. If instinct can be wonderful to bring us information, like I'm sensing what's happening is this or that, uh, it can also mislead the person um, so I always see AIDS in different places um, being very uh, defended uh, from uh, other people in a way that they think the, those other people have bad agendas. And it's not always real, really. Uh, it's a myth that instinct is always right, you know. Uh, now, another way is that AIDS are always in a rush and they try to do things really quickly, most of the time at least, and there is no time to listen. You know, the attention span is not too long um, and, and AIDS are not particularly known for being good listeners. And these are a few ways how AIDS can um, lose touch with this uh, capacity for empathy. Is there any other that you would add, B? Well, I would just say I think the core the core issue for eights is that they let go of being aware of their vulnerability and they overcompensate by expressing strength and power. And when you deny your vulnerability, it's going to be very hard to get in touch with your own softer feelings, your own pain and hurt, and it's going to be hard to empathize with those of others. So I think, I think eights need to really understand and how they deny vulnerability, of course, why they deny vulnerability so that they can learn to get more access to those emotions uh, so that they can both understand their own sensitivity and that of others. So the path to get back to empathy here is to be vulnerable, to get in touch with own emotions, and then to practice relaxation and attention to what is happening with a little more patience and, and listening to people and not always trusting your judgment. Now, type nine. One of the ways that nines lose touch with empathy is by just listening and listening forever and seeing what the other person is saying, but not really being there. It's, it's like absorbing what's happening. And sometimes they mistake that for empathy. And empathy also needs to be done in a good level uh, by using the heart. And not always nines are using the heart. They, they are more uh, doing this uh, energetic maneuver of just taking in whatever is coming from the other pe person. And what not everybody knows is how many times when nines seem to be agreeing with you when you are speaking, they actually aren't. So they don't tell you. They keep even smiling many times but they're not necessarily agreeing with what you're saying. And they don't tell you they're not agreeing if they are coming from personality only. Yes, I, I would add that the core issue here is nines going to sleep to themselves in ways they often don't see. 
their attention is focused on others. And so they may think they're empathizing because they are very understanding, uh, very oriented towards supporting other people and connecting with people. However, because they go to sleep to their own being, uh, to a deeper connection with them, their own self, uh, both at the level of being and at the emotional level, sometimes I think they can unwittingly get passive about the effort it takes to actually wake up to themselves, to actually be in touch with uh, what's really going on and to risk kind of um, showing up for life and being in touch with all of what's going on inside them. So uh, the path for growth here is just stay in touch with yourself when you're being empathetic with someone else. And being empathetic is offering the person the gift of your feedback if you don't agree with something. Uh, empathy is not agreeing with everything. is understanding where the person is coming from, but still having such a deal of respect for the person that you, will, you say if you don't agree. Going against sometimes means being more present and more respectful to the other person than feeling one thing in the inside and not saying it. Type one. One of the ways that type one loses touch with empathy is by constantly seeing what is wrong out there. So once come from this perspective uh, that there is one right way to do things, And that's usually their own, right? And this is not only ones, by the way. All body types, eights, nines, and ones, have this tendency of believing that there is one right way. And that is not so good. Uh, it doesn't favor body types in this search for empathy. Uh, now, ones go to another level of doing this. And they may... Uh, look at someone, always trying to see how the person is making something wrong or not being aligned to that right way as they see it. Um, they do that with themselves also. They become really intolerant uh, with, with their own mistakes. Um, and that's also equally, you know, uh, bad or not good. And ones also have anger as the passion, which is that irritation in the heart level, which makes them be less empathetic because they are waiting for that time when they will point out to what's not uh, yet happening, what's not the best way or whatever, instead of just breathing in, relaxing down and listening to other forms of thought. I would say that relative to the anger piece that you mentioned, a, a big barrier for ones for being more empathic and more compassionate with themselves is not accepting uh, their emotions, not accepting the anger. Oftentimes, if we understand that our emotions are bringing important information, we can allow them and respect them. And I think that, that ones habitually over control Uh, their emotions and impulses. There's a kind of underlying sense that it's wrong uh, on some level to either have the emotion or express the emotion. And so in many ways, they're at odds with themselves inside because they're not allowing and um, welcoming just whatever emotional experience that they have. And by judging it, they're sort of shutting themselves down. And of course, when they're doing this to themselves, it can be hard for them Uh, to be to extend that same kind of acceptance and openness to other people. Right. And the way back to empathy or towards empathy for ones, therefore, is to is to relax that anger and also to be to understand there are multiple right ways for to, to do different things. There is not only one ideal way. And being capable of staying with the other person, looking at the beauty of who the person is, um, instead of just seeing what's not present, what's missing, and what is wrong. 
type 2. So one of the ways that type 2 loses touch with empathy is funny because, you know, you could think that twos are among the most empathetic of all types, which I think is true. But uh, there is a way that is shadowy um, that choose um, more than listening to the other person and being there for them with what is going on. When twos haven't done enough inner work, they have a hidden agenda that they want the other person to feel a certain way or to do a certain thing. And unfortunately, there might be a big deal of manipulation when twos are relating to the other person. And there is also what we could call the strategic empathy. Like I'm more empathetic with one person than with another, or more empathetic with this person if this person does this. Um, so conditional empathy. What what do you think, B? And here I really want to listen to you as a two yourself. Well, I think also twos, interestingly, over empathize with other people sometimes. So they can be more in touch with your feelings and your pain, which means they really aren't in touch with themselves. And so they can almost go along with, well, what you feel is more important than what I feel. But when they don't honor their own feelings, they aren't really coming from an authentic place in themselves. And so sometimes the empathy that they can extend to people is a kind of fake empathy or it's uh, kind of an overdoing of uh, of extending themselves such that they leave themselves out of the picture without knowing it. And to create true empathy, you really as a two need to be in touch with yourself at a deep level. You need to be accepting and open to all your feelings. And that can be hard, especially uh, for twos who feel a bit at odds with their feelings. Like if I feel angry, I don't necessarily want to honor, honor that because it might put me in conflict with someone else. Or if I'm feeling hurt, I don't want to say that because it might damage the relationship. So twos, first of all, need to accept and honor their own feelings and, and work on being more open and empathetic with themselves and not just other people so that they can be very clear about any hidden agendas they have, any ways that they may overextend themselves to support other people emotionally uh, without putting themselves in the picture such that those efforts end up kind of going in the wrong direction. Would you add anything to what you believe is the way forward for choose to be more or better in empathy? Well, I think they need to get more and more in touch with themselves, to love themselves, like themselves more and more, so that they don't need as much affirmation from the outside world, from other people. Uh, and, and that makes them more truly independent and rooted inside themselves in their own heart. And when they can do that, uh, they can be empathetic in the best possible ways. I think twos do have a gift for empathy. I think this is a special thing they can do. And so when they're not overdoing it, when they can balance out attention to themselves, when they can accept and get in touch with their own feelings and not worry about what the impact will be on other people of whatever they're feeling, uh, then they can be, I think, more authentic and um, and true in their relationships, and the empathy they offer can be really beautiful and pure. Type three. So one of the ways that threes lose empathy is when they try to run away from feelings and perform. When they try to disconnect from relationships or from talks where people are sharing how they're feeling, just to go do. And it's actually not difficult for threes to be empathetic. Um, they find it easy because they are a hard type that uses the heart to see what's going on with the person uh, in the heart space. However, that becomes a little bit utilitarian, like for whatever is useful for me, and not necessarily for um, a deeper talk in, in, in which I will dedicate myself to understand and feel what's going on with the person. So there might be also hidden agendas here on how, to what extent, and with whom 
to and when to be empathetic for a three. And this makes them lose that quality. And sometimes they also want to do things their way. And this may make them be a bit more bossy than empathetic. What do you think, B? What would you add to this? Yes, I think because the core issue for threes is uh, in some ways going numb to their feelings or tuning their feelings out in service of doing, in service of uh, working toward a goal or achieving something, uh, they can tend to not always be in touch with their heart. Now, as we often talk about, uh, threes have a lot of capacity for feeling and being in touch with their heart. But when in personality, they habitually push feelings away. And I think when they do that, uh, it makes it hard to empathize with others. Uh, it makes it hard for them to know themselves at a deep level. Uh, because I think knowing how you feel is a big doorway into knowing who you are. And so threes um, can need to, I think, recognize when they're not in touch with their feelings and recognize that they will have less power for empathize, empathizing truly for, with others uh, when they don't open themselves to their own hearts. So if you are a three and you want to be to have better empathy, you need to slow down. You need to pay attention to relationships and emotions as much as you pay attention to performance and you need to welcome your own feelings because that will develop you towards being having more empathy. Force. One of the ways that force lose empathy is simply by coming inside and staying there. Fours are known for spending a lot of time, almost all the time, if they are really fixated in personality, inside themselves. It's like... I become self-referencing. It's all about me. It's like I am feeling this, I'm feeling that. And if someone does something, it's about how I, what I think about that or how that has impacted me. And that's the risk. It's a little difficult for force to look at the other person. And it, it might feel... Uh, empathy when fours are listening to the other person but then there is a need to see if you're trying to bring that content inside you and compare to your own experience or feel how it would be if you were going through that that's not empathy empathy is staying with the person and feeling it for who the person is and not for who you are what would you add be Yes, I'd say that that the main issue is is being very self-focused at getting lost a little bit in your own emotional experience, um, in your own fantasy of what might be happening or what could happen, uh, and and getting attached to that in a way where you don't see how you may not empathize with others. I think because fours are so emotional and often emotionally intelligent, oftentimes they don't see where they aren't actually deploying the full capacity they do have for empathy because they just get stuck a little bit too much on the inside and don't remember that they need to make an active effort to move away from their own emotion, their own experience, and really open up to someone else's being completely different, but both of them being valid. So the path forward for force is being out there and not inside here, being out there with the person, uh, in touch with what's going on for her, for that person, and being capable of really feeling into what's happening from the person's shoes. Um, doing that for a four implies not introjecting the content that's coming up uh, to self. Uh, and that's the path back to empathy. Type five. Developing empathy for fives is a big need and having empathy is not very natural. Most fives uh, in the beginning of their growth paths end up noting they don't have empathy. 
And there are many reasons for that, in my view. First, there is a disconnection from emotions, meaning that, um, you know, other things, not only empathy, will not be present. Empathy is something that needs to be done when it's good empathy with the heart. But fives run away from feelings. Another thing that makes it difficult is that fives are full of their own ideas. And when people are talking or expressing, they start thinking about all that that the person is saying and therefore disconnects from that person. Now, if the person is sharing feelings, it that happens even more. It's like fives disconnect even more. And basically, it's not very easy for anyone who hasn't uh, done emotional work to be empathetic with the other person. And that is true for fives, maybe especially. What would you add, B? I would add a couple of things in addition to sort of the automatic habit of detaching from emotion um, is there can be a tendency to think about feelings. And so maybe not recognize that you may not actually be feeling the feelings, but there's you're thinking about feelings and sometimes it can be hard to tell. Um, also, there may be a kind of belief that five sometimes have. It's sort of a privileging of thinking over feeling, a kind of sense that what's rational is is somehow more more valid or uh, somehow put above uh, the emotional because the emotional can be more difficult and messy. Uh, and so there can be a kind of mentalizing things, getting stuck in concepts and not realizing that even though emotions are a very different kind of information uh, than, say, facts uh, that and rational thinking, um, that it's an equally valid mode of experience. Right. So the path towards empathy for a five, it is being in your heart and staying there and keeping connected to your emotions and to the other person. And that takes time for a five. It's not very easy, but it's doable. And it ends up being a great experience when fives can do that. Type six. Sixes lose empathy when they start doubting the other person, when they start trying to see what's hidden in all that conversation, and when they try to protect themselves from whatever risks might be in there. Also, sixes lose empathy when they are overthinking and in, in the state of analysis paralysis. Also, sometimes the lack of self-confidence that can happen with sixes, even if it's unconscious, depending on the subtype, can block the, the type six person to feel like being able to be there for the other, to, to really get what the other is saying. Because it, it, it sort of, there, there is a need for strength to be able to hold uh, whatever is coming from the other. And sometimes the six feels like incapable of doing that when the six person is still feeling identified with feeling weak, which is not who sixes are in essence. Yes, I would, I would just add that, you know, the core issue here is fear. And there can be fear of uh, fear of whatever they're feeling, uh, fear of being vulnerable if they allow themselves to feel the full force of their own feelings. Um, and there is this contrarian tendency. I think it, there can be a little bit of a unconscious us versus them attitude in sixes. Uh, that can cause them to resist empathizing with others. It's as if, well, if you're the enemy somehow, um, it's going to make me more vulnerable uh, a little bit, as you were saying, to, to try to open myself up to you in a certain kind of way. And I think there can also be a similar feeling to fives of getting a little bit stuck in the mental uh, and not always knowing how to shift to a deeper emotional place, especially under, under stress. So the path forward or towards empathy for a six is to use the head a little less. 
I have a sixth friend who says, oh, it's a good sensation when I feel that my head is sort of numb, that I'm not overthinking. And then sixes can start feeling more what's going on. And, you know, to be empathetic, there is this need to be a bit less anxious, right? Because there is emotional sharing and you need to be there for the person and take some time and breathe. So these are things that help sixes be more in touch with empathy. Type seven. So sevens are also like fours. They are self-absorbed, self-referencing many times. We say that we sometimes joke, sevens don't need you to love them because they love themselves already a lot. It's of course a joke and an exaggeration. But, uh, you know, the exchange in in the communication pattern that sevens have is much more to share my own ideas with you, and hopefully you will be as enthusiastic about them as I am, than to truly, truly uh, listen. Uh, Sevens are not usually the best listeners around. Uh, They sometimes, depending on subtype, like social sevens, they may look like they're listening sometimes, but in fact, they are having ideas while you're talking and they are trying to bring a positive spin to a sad story that you're sharing uh, if they are in personality, right? So being more empathetic means not doing that for a seven and being there in your heart, not always generating ideas. And it's not a very good idea to try to help the person too quickly. Sometimes what the person needs is to share with you her pain. And being in touch with the pain is hard for sevens, but it's needed to be more empathetic in today's world. So what would you add, Bean? Well, I would say the core issue for sevens is really uh, unconscious avoidance of of pain and feeling pain inside themselves and a fear of suffering. So the sevens very unconsciously focus on what's positive, uh, think of interesting ideas and and move toward uh, pleasurable experiences as an unconscious drive to get away from pain. And when you are in many different ways, avoiding your own contact with your inner experience, that your inner emotional experience, your pain inside, you're not going to be very adept at experiencing the pain of others. So there's a way that sevens in many different ways they frequently don't see will just avert their gaze. They won't go there. They won't take the risk to sink into the present moment, uh, to just be open to what's there on an emotional level. So I think that's the key for them is to be able to really observe how they do that uh, and reverse that tendency so that they can be more open to their own heart, to their own pain, recognizing that if they allow it, it won't last forever like they fear it might. Uh, that they can move through it and that it will be a rich experience that will bring them positive things. And one of those positive things will be a a much deeper capacity to understand and empathize with, with the people around them. I agree with you. And I think sevens will also benefit from more patience and from, you know, less uh, external stimulus to distract them from the the situation and it's it's all about concentration and also being in the heart it's time for our top five today so our top five today is top five enneagram types who judge the least who judge other people the least so b what is your fifth What is your number five? So my number five type that is the least judgmental of all the types is type eight. So I I chose type eight because I wouldn't say they're the absolute least judgmental. I think they can, you know, sometimes make a snap decision about someone uh, that might include some judgment. Uh, But overall, I think they're not necessarily so judgmental because they have a little bit of a 
you know, everyone should sort of do what's authentically true for them. Um, they have an action orientation. They tend to be decisive. Uh, so it's sort of like do what you need to do, um, act in the ways that you want to act and that people should kind of feel free to express themselves. And if they come into conflict with someone else, that's okay. They can work it out. So there seems to be something about eights that I think it's almost like a, a, a more of a freedom orientation to life, uh, in terms of people being able to do what they want to do that I think, uh, supports a kind of non-judgmental attitude. What about you? What's your top five? Yeah, interestingly, I, you know, we agree in almost everything. And I was actually thinking that we wouldn't agree much on this uh, specific top five. And I don't have eight uh, as part of my five, my top five. So my five is, my fifth is choose. I think that choose tend to be not very judgmental, but sort of in between being among the most judgmental and the least judgmental. And I think that uh, Jews are um, sometimes judging without people knowing they are doing it. Um, this is what makes them not be uh, among the top three, for instance. What is your number four? So your number five was two. And I guess I didn't have that in my top five because as a two, I tend to think of us as very judgmental, but I think I'm just judging myself in that. So my number four, my number four was three. And I thought three was among the less judgmental types, partly because I see threes as being very pragmatic in terms of judging things based on whether something's going to work or not and not getting so much into personal judgments of other people. It's more, are you kind of facilitating what's happening or not? They're a little more practical in making their evaluations. So that's why I put three at uh, number four on my list of least judgmental types. Interesting. So for me, my number four is type six. I think that you know, I need to say this. I think that if we consider the three triads, the body triad, eights, nines, and ones, the heart triad, twos, threes, and fours, and the head triad, fives, sixes, and sevens, I think the head triad uh, judges the least. And uh, six is perhaps more judgmental than fives and sevens, but still not as much as other types, in my view. Um, so when six are doubting, they may be judging, but it's more, you know, I would call it something else. And so this is my number four. I'll, I'll say my number three, and then you say yours, if it's okay. My number three is type three, as you said. And, um, you know, the reasons you mentioned for three uh, being your number four uh, are exactly the reasons for uh, threes to be my number three. I also think they are way too pragmatic to allow judgment uh, to interfere with how they want to move ahead. What is your number three? My number three may or may not surprise you. It's type four. I actually think fours tend to be less judgmental because fours are so familiar with emotion and emotional expression because of their comfort level in terms of experiencing emotions and communicating emotions, there's a kind of valuing of authenticity that I think works against uh, some of what other people tend to judge people for. For instance, maybe other people might get judged for being too angry or not not being in a good mood, or uh, certainly that's not the only thing people get judged for. But I think there's a way that fours have a lot of understanding of not only the emotional aspects of life, but the relational aspects of life. And this makes them, in my view, less judgmental because they kind of come from an understanding of you know, what people are like when they're experiencing certain emotional states. Uh, and so that is why I put them at my number three position. Interesting. I was just a little bit surprised, not much. And what is your number two? 
My number two is number nine. I think that nines tend to be pretty non-judgmental. Now, of course, with nines, they may be judging in a way that we don't see because if they do judge, they probably won't say something about it or they may just act it out in some sort of passive aggressive activity. But overall, I think nines tend to be very accepting of different people. They tend to be a little more laid back, more democratic. Uh, and generally, I don't perceive them or experience them as very judgmental. What about you? What is your number? Is it two? Yeah, I, I want to comment on that. Um, although I agree with several things you said about nines, I did not include any body type on my top fives. To me, the body types are the most judgmental of all types. And I include nine on that because of what you said. We, you, we don't see, but nines judge a lot behind the scenes and in the inside. And sometimes they are not aware of that. They don't look like judging and they are um, clearly accepting of what comes from other people, but deep inside, I do think they are judgmental. Not as much as ones or eights, though. Now, my number two is type five. I think fives usually are not judgmental. There are fives who judge more, but you know, it's not what we see in the big majority of fives. I think fives hate things like gossiping and they don't like when people talk about others in front of them. I remember that in my case as a five, since I was a pre-teen, pre like pre-teenager, if someone was gossiping uh, in my family, I would immediately go to my room. Uh, it's sort of something um, intolerable. And um, um, I, not only myself, but with other people, I, I see that fives, um, you know, don't care much about different ways that people are or what they do. Uh, so I think fives are my number two. What is your number one, B? I'm curious. My number one is seven. And it's very interesting. I think we had very different points of view on the centers, the role of the centers in being judgmental. Um, it's interesting that you didn't include any body centers and that you think of the head types as less judgmental. Uh, and I didn't really think about it in terms of centers at all. So that's an interesting difference. And the reason why I picked seven for my number one, in my experience, sevens have a tendency to have a live and let live attitude. They have uh, a sense of wanting people to be free and also looking on the bright side, not only in terms of situations, but in terms of people, like really looking at finding the positive and really focusing on that instead of finding something to judge as negative. Uh, so I thought of sevens as my least judgmental. And again, just wanted to point out how interesting it was that we had very different approaches to this list. Yes, B, but here we are back to agreeing because seven is also my first. And I agree with oh, what wow. you said. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, sevens, I see sevens usually as the types that uh, are okay with everybody as they are. And they are actually interested in people who are different. They they like diversity in general, you know, and they like it different. And so they, they are open. They, they are not very judgmental of themselves most of the time, although that changes a bit as they grow. Um, so I do think that the, the sevens are less judgmental and they are the champions today. Congratulations, sevens. Yes, I think sevens are the winner for today. They're both of our number one for least judgmental. Thank you for listening and join us again for our Enneagram 2.0 podcast, where we talk about all things Enneagram.